Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. Was George Washington a man of prayer? On May 7th, members of the US Congress will host a massive prayer meeting honoring his faith. I also interview Christian historian Bill Federer about religious freedom, and we show a viral video about the Jewish Feast of Purim. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we like to do three things. We report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. Are you ready to pray the news with us? Here's our first story. WND.com reports that on Wednesday, May 7th of 2014, a massive prayer rally will be hosted by members of the US Congress in Washington, DC. Churches can register online to host a webcast during their Wednesday night midweek services at the website, just go to the website, WashingtonAManOfPrayer.com. Again, that's all one word, WashingtonAManOfPrayer.com. This prayer event honoring the faith of our first president, George Washington, will be hosted by a bipartisan committee of Republicans and Democrats, including Congresswoman Michelle Bachman. It's also gonna be emceed by Governor Mike Huckabee. Other attendees include Senator Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, Ron Johnson, and representatives Louis Gohmert, Steve King, Steve Stockman, and Democrats Mike McIntyre and Corin Brown, among many others. As a bipartisan event, invitations have been sent to all 535 members of the 113th Congress, and also participating will be the chaplains of both the House and Senate, Father Patrick Conroy and Reverend Barry Black. Uh, Barry Black will also participate. The US Marine Band is scheduled to perform and other Christian leaders are gonna join in, including pastors Jim Garlow, Harry Jackson, Robert Jeffress, and leaders like Phyllis Shafley, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, Star Parker, Penny Nance, Tony Perkins, Raphael Cruz, the father of Senator Ted Cruz, and our friend Bill Federer, a Christian historian among many others. Again, for more information, visit WashingtonAManOfPrayer.com. Well, uh, even President Thomas Jefferson, the man who coined the supposed uh, expression, separation of church and state, he saw a vital need for the worship of God, even within the very halls of Congress. In fact, he once signed a law allowing the US Capitol to be used for a weekly Christian church service, which he personally attended. And those services were held in the very chamber where the House of Representatives met from 1807 to 1859 called the Statuary Hall, which is the place where this new event, Washington Man of Prayer is going to be held on May 7th. I pray that you attend or get your uh, churches involved, do a simulcast and do everything you can to help. Let's take a moment and pray. The Bible says in Psalm 33, in fact, let's pray right now. Father, we do honor you and we discern the Holy Spirit of revival upon these congressmen who are leading this, re this prayer event to honor the faith of George Washington Father, we pray that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen according to his own inheritance. Father, we pray that we would be your inheritance and we pray that in blessing in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a short break. When we come back, historian Bill Federer is gonna talk about religious freedom in the history of America. 
Discerning the spirits that rule our politicians, Dr. Chaps will be right back. Do you care about defending religious liberty? I know you do. And that's why I'm asking you to take action today. Don't just sit there, but do something. Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, and sign a petition that we'll fax to Congress on your behalf. In fact, there are three specific petitions I want you to sign to defend military chaplains who are under fire. The first is to support H.R. 343. This is a bill introduced in Congress by my friend, Congressman Walter Jones of North Carolina, to protect free speech for military chaplains who are sometimes punished if they use the word Jesus in their prayers. Well, if you know my story, you know that I was punished in 2006, uh, even at court-martial, because I used the word Jesus in my prayers in uniform in front of the White House. Well, I was later vindicated by Congress, who said it's okay for me to do that, but did you know 65 other chaplains are now suing the Navy? I was not the only person. Our second petition I want you to sign is to protect military chapel buildings, which are being desecrated. Christian altars, Catholic or Protestant, are being desecrated by homosexual wedding ceremonies in all 50 states under this order by the Obama administration. Well, that deprives all of our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines of a sacred worship space, which ought to be protected. And instead, they're gonna punish the chaplain if he won't turn over the keys to his chapel. Here's another petition I want you to sign, and this is to stop threatening court-martial for troops who talk about Jesus. Even recently, the Pentagon is saying, oh, we're gonna threaten you with a crime of proselytizing. No, that's not right. Any soldier ought to be able to talk about his or her faith in Jesus Christ and to have that same religious freedom of speech that we sacrifice to give for others. When you sign these petitions, we will fax them to Congress, and it's free. I want you to take action today. Sign these three important petitions at PrayInJesusName.org. Go there today. Defending your religious freedom, here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps. Thank you for watching PIJN News. This week again, we're at the NRB Convention, National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm joined now by a celebrity guest. We've had him on the show before, Bill Federer. Welcome back. Dr. Chaps, great to be with you. Thank you so much. Now, you are a historian. If people don't know about you, you've written how many books now? It's about 20 books. 20 books on American history, especially uh, our founding fathers and the history of America and the, the Christian faith that many of our founding fathers had. Um, and when we were talking just now, before we came on camera, you mentioned your affinity to our ministry. We defend religious freedom, especially having heard my story, I was a chaplain in the Navy. What would happen if America lost Christianity in the military? And, and is there a historical context you can put that in? Well, Dr. Chaps, this is a real concern. And one story that to me stands out is 285 AD. Now this is still during the Roman Empire period of time. The emperor is Diocletian and he lost some battles with Persia. And he asked his generals why and the generals said you've neglected the Roman gods. And so Diocletian forces all of the military to return to worshiping the Roman gods. Well, it had been about 30 years since the last persecution of Christians, and so there were a lot of Christians in the military who, who had converted, but they were forced out. Once the Christian conscience was out of the military, Diocletian decided to use the military to force the entire Roman Empire to returning to worshiping the Roman gods. 
And he went systematically, province by province, tearing down churches, arresting the church leaders, boiling them alive, cutting out their tongues, destroying the scriptures. Again, it goes on for 30 years. It doesn't end until Constantine becomes the emperor. And so the question is, what can we expect in our day and age once the Christian conscience is out of the military? And we see that those that have an anti-Christian agenda, where they want to uh, force kids to stop saying a prayer at a graduation ceremony, or they get offended at a cross in the desert, or they don't want a coach to bow his head when the students are saying a prayer, or they want to put out a business a bakery because they won't bake a cake for a, a gay event. And so we ask ourselves, will the people that are pushing that agenda, once they get in charge of the guns, do we really expect them to be more tolerant than they are now? Or will they be tempted to use their new powers to force their agenda? Now, the reason this is a concern, because in the recent history, in the 1930s, Stalin used his atheistic military to kill an estimated 7 million Ukrainians and total around 20 million. And then we see Pol Pot killing a third of Cambodia, an atheistic communist leader killing his own country with his military. And then we see uh, the uh, Mao Zedong in China, that uh, 80 million people were killed during his term, uh, and he was an atheist. And so we see that terrible things can happen when you get a military that no longer has a belief that every person is sacred because they're made in the image of God, it just becomes a tool to push an agenda. And so this is a concern a lot of people have. So having been myself forced out of the military because I dared as a chaplain to pray in Jesus' name in public, now by the way there are 65 other chaplains suing the military, and we've seen Examples we've reported on this show, like Senior Mass Sergeant Philip Monk or Tech Sergeant Lane Wilson, given reprimands or threatened with court-martial because they oppose homosexuality, they don't even have an, a right to an, have an opinion in the military. There seems to be a reverse don't ask, don't tell policy. When all the Christians are driven out of the military, we could expect some kind of tyranny. Now, you wrote a book, Change to Chains. Now, tell me about the, the trend in government well, I decided that I was going to research every civilization that has ever existed on planet Earth. It took a couple of years, and I went all the way back to the very first human records. A Sumerian cuneiform on clay tablet, obviously they've translated it, but uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics on papyrus, where we get the word paper. And the first human record keeping started about 3300 B.C., right? I mean... But if you round it out to 4,000 BC, for the sake of numbers, because that's a number that's been used often, 4,000 BC, we are around 2,080 combined, that's 6,000 years. Sounds long, but in a sense, it's not. 6,000 years is just 60 people living 100 years each back to back. Now, everyone has met someone who's lived 100 years or close to it, maybe a grandma. We're talking 60 grandmas, and you're all the way back to the beginning of recorded human civilization. And then the next question is, what is the most common form of government in these 60 centuries? Well, let's see, there's pharaohs, Caesars, Kaisers, Sultans, Tsars, Maharajas, Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, Julius Caesar. It's dictator. That power concentrates into the hands of one person. 
It's, it's like a mag, it's like a pull of gravity. And so I believe it goes back to the fall in the garden and Cain killing Abel and selfishness coming into the human DNA. And so you put some babies in a crib, one of them will wind up taking the rattle from the others. Put some people, some kids on a playground, one of them will wind up being the bully, hogging the ball. Get some high school girls together, one of them will be the diva of the clique, right? You get, put some, drop some kids in, into an inner city, one of them winds up being the gang leader, and drop them, some people in the woods, one of them winds up being the Indian chief. And so no matter where you go, the norm is that power wants to concentrate into the hands of one person, like Lord of the Rings. And if you're friends with the king, you are more equal. If you are not friends with the king, you are less equal. And if you're an enemy of the king, you're dead. It's called treason. <laughs> so for most of world history, equality was how close of an orbit can you get to the king. What's rare in history is people getting a chance to experiment in ruling themselves without a king. And this is where it gets really interesting. The first well-recorded instance of an entire nation being ruled without a king was who? Well, it was Israel. About 1500 or so BC, they come out of Egypt. And who controlled everything in Egypt? The Pharaoh. And so when Israel comes into the promised land for the first several hundred years, they do not have a king. Everyone is equal before the law. And the law says there's no respect of persons in judgment, male, female, made in the image of the creator. Even the stranger living amongst you is under the same law that you're under. This was the beginning of the very concept of equality on planet Earth, right? Wow. And, um, and Israel is also the first instance of private land ownership. Now, who controlled all the land in Egypt? The Pharaoh. In Mesopotamia, the kings controlled the land. In China, there's like, you know, 18 major dynasties over 5,000 years. The emperor controlled the land. And so even if you had land in Egypt, you had it as long as you stayed on the good side of the Pharaoh, right? You get on the wrong side and he'll take it away and take your life. Well, in Israel, they did not have a king. And the land, all those boring chapters in the Bible where they do surveys and lots and divide up the land, it's making a statement that the land belongs to the people. And uh, my mom's name is Tirza. And the first mention of Tirza in the Bible is she was the daughter of Zelophehad, this old guy who had no sons. And the girls go to Moses and says, don't we get land too? And Moses says, you get land, just marry someone within your tribe. But this was unheard of, individual women getting land, individual families getting land, where in Egypt, the Pharaoh controlled it. And in Israel, the land was permanently titled to the family. So if they got in a pinch and sold it, every 50 years it reverted back. This prevented a dictator from getting control of all the land and reducing the people to serfs and peasants and slaves. And the whole experiment in Israel, I mean, they were the first nation with no police force because everybody enforced the law. The first nation with no army because everybody was in the army. Um, they had no prisons because they had immediate justice, right? And then they had a city of refuge you could run to if you needed to. And they had a welfare system that was non-bureaucratic. When you harvested the land, you left the gleanings for the poor people. And so this was the extreme opposite of the Pharaoh, that the power was given to the hands of the people. Um, it's fascinating. It, it even, when you look at the law, in Egypt they had 3,000 hieroglyphic characters. And not only was it impossible to learn, the scribes and the royalty were the only ones allowed to read. Sort of like in Virginia, they passed laws prior to the Civil War, Civil War making it illegal for slaves to read. Well, uh, in Israel, when Moses came down the mountain, he did not just have the law, he had the law in a 22-letter consonant alphabet that all of a sudden this opened it up so that everybody in the nation could read. So it was a kingdom of priests and scribes. Everybody could read. 
And so they not only had the law, but they had the ability to read the law and be free. I, I could go on and on, but it's fascinating. Um, as I travel through time, then I look at Greece and how they attempted to have a democracy until Philip of Macedon conquered it, Alexander the Great's dad. Rome was a republic for 500 years until Julius Caesar found a way to usurp power and make himself dictator for life. And I go through that every attempt to stretch the rubber band and put power in the hands of the people, in times of crises, the rubber band snaps back. Well, the most powerful king that planet Earth had seen was the king of England. 13 million square miles, half a billion people, all controlled ultimately by the king. And so America wanted to break away. We wanted to go as far as we could away from a king. We took the power of a king, broke it into three branches, separated it federal to state level, and then tied up this federal Frankenstein with 10 handcuffs we call the first 10 amendments. In essence, all our constitution really is, is a bunch of hurdles to prevent power from reconcentrating back into the hands of a dictator. But unfortunately, through time, in crises, it's great that Lincoln ended slavery, but in the process, a lot of power was usurped by the federal government right away from the states. It was great that Woodrow Wilson wanted to, you know, uh, have a League of Nations, but it was going to surrender our sovereignty. And FDR wanted to get us out of the Depression, but he concentrates power. And Lyndon Johnson's war on poverty concentrates power. Nixon's war on drugs, Bush's war on terror. And now the new president, no matter what the crisis is, the answer is the same. Let power concentrate. But we've gone from separated power back to the idea where if you're friends with the president, you might get an Obamacare waiver. If you're not a friend of the president, you might get your car dealership shut down and your Gibson guitar factory raided. And if you're an enemy of the president, you might get targeted by the IRS. And, and so we're moving back in the direction of this favoritism, this patronage system, and it spells an end to our form of government. But uh, hopefully enough people will wake up and we can slow this down. Our guest has been Bill Federer. He's an expert historian, and his website is? It's AmericanMinute.com. AmericanMinute.com. Sign up for his email alerts. Get his book, Change to Chains. And thank you, Bill, again, for joining us. It's been an honor to have you on thank our Thank you, Dr. Chaps. All right, we'll be right back. This is PIJN News. <laughs> Let's take a stand with Israel today. Would you sign a petition with me? Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. And sign a petition to defend Israel, who is America's closest ally, certainly in the Middle East, if not in the entire world. We remember watching Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu give that speech at the UN when he warned about the making of an Islamic nuclear bomb. And that is being forged in Iran. But what are we doing now? The USA is negotiating with the Europeans to allow Iran to continue to develop nuclear material. Well, that's not right. Do we really trust this man, Hassan Rouhani, the president of Iran, who is the former nuclear weapons chief? You don't think they're gonna build a nuclear bomb when his predecessor, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, literally threatened to wipe Israel off the map of history. Now, we need to take a stand. Why is American foreign policy to fund the Muslim Brotherhood? Let's sign a petition to stop that. Stop sending our taxpayer dollars to fund the Muslim Brotherhood. And let's also sign a petition to protect the Jewish homeland. Both of those are available today at our website, PrayInJesusName.org. And when you sign those petitions, we will fax them to Congress. Instead, the failed foreign policy of the Obama administration, starting with Hillary Clinton and now John Kerry, is pressuring Israel to give up Jerusalem? Why? 
we should never divide the eternal capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem, and we should move the American embassy there. But instead, now the Obama administration is unfreezing the Iranian bank accounts, sending $7 billion to them on the hope of empty promises that maybe they'll stop their nuclear program. Let's defend Israel. The Jewish people are our friends. They have a right to security in their homeland. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org and sign that petition right now. Welcome back and our thanks again to Bill Federer for that wonderful historic interview. Uh, we're gonna talk now about the Jewish Feast of Purim. Now, many of you in the last week maybe celebrated St. Patrick's Day, but there's another celebration that many uh, Christians and Jews are celebrating and that is the history of the Jewish people's salvation during the Persian Empire and the Persian captivity. This is as far back as 474 BC. Now, today we can think about the Persian Empire was really Iran, and we saw just a couple years ago, Ahmadinejad threatened to wipe out the Jewish people. Well, that's a demon of anti-Semitism. You might have seen the same thing in Hitler during the Holocaust, but way back in the day, you know, even like almost 500 years before Christ, that same demon was inside of Haman. And this is a man who issued a decree to wipe out all the Jews. Now we're gonna show you a viral video made by some young people who are singing and dancing, celebrating, I think the group is Acapella, you can find it on YouTube. Let's watch a breathtaking portrayal of what happened in the book of Esther with Haman and Mordecai. You're gonna love this video. King says come, queen says no, advisor says it's time for her to go. Needs a queen to call his own. Esther is brought, buzz. As the king goes, ooh la la. But there's one sound that no one knows. What does her mind say? Jews with no remorse, but of course he loved us. New and told us, he went for the stroll, came back and behold, what does her mind say? Ahi, 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 ahi
ancient his songs, our ancient his story, hanging from his own gallows, while they hang from a tree. So we go, that would let him forgive us. Some of it's layers. I'm a Jew, I know who really runs the show. God is the creator. Isn't that amusing? I know it's a parody of the other viral video, What Does a Fox Say? But these young men are talented and they've explain to you the entire history of the book of Esther. Thank God that the devil was defeated and Esther saved her people from extermination. Let's take a short break and when we come back, we'll pray to close the show. This is PIJN News. Introducing FactsCongress.com. Do you care about politics, defending pro-life causes, traditional marriage, and religious freedom? At FactsCongress.com, you can create any petition to Congress, and we will convert your e-petition instantly to real fax paper on your congressman's desk. And the best part? It's free. Want your voice heard by multiple congressmen? At FactsCongress.com, we can blast your petition to all 535 congressmen and senators instantly. And you don't even need a fax machine. Not only do we deliver your petitions instantly, but with our dashboard feature, you can quickly recruit friends on Facebook and Twitter to co-sign your petition. Do you care about a particular cause? You can build a virtual army of supporters at FactsCongress.com. Do you lead a church, faith-based organization, or PAC? We can even help you do fundraising. It's free. Just visit FactsCongress.com and try it out. Make a difference. Sign any petition today at FactsCongress.com. FactsCongress.com. Thank you for watching and thank you for supporting PIJN News. Let's take a moment and pray. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we do pray for religious liberty here in America here in Washington DC and also for the Jewish people. And we proclaim the scriptures from 2 Corinthians 3, that where your spirit is, the, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Father, give us that freedom. We pray in Jesus name, amen. I wanna encourage you to donate today. If you can visit PrayInJesusName.org. Help us to stay on the air at PrayInJesusName.org. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. We'll see you next time. Chaplain Klingenschmidt is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy who earned his Ph.D. in theology from Regent University. As a former Navy chaplain, by taking a public stand for freedom of speech and religious expression, and by sacrificing his own 16-year career and million-dollar pension, he was vindicated by the U.S. Congress, who changed the law and restored freedom for military chaplains to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps not only defended the Constitution, but his petitions have helped change the law in 10 states, restoring freedom to pray in Jesus' name.
Dr. Chaps need your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now at 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.